I'm Terry McGuire, Connections Pastor at Parkway Fellowship's North Katy location. We pray that you are uplifted and encouraged by the truth of God's Word you are about to hear and apply it to your daily life. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. We live in a pretty indifferent culture, don't we? Um, in fact, uh, one of the largest generations uh, in America right now is the millennial generation. That's our youngest generation. And social scientists have described them as the meh generation. And this is why. Everything, it, well, it's really hard to impress millennials. And it's hard to impress them because they are the first generation of Americans that actually grew up with a cell phone in their hand. They can surf the web and do stuff on their phones that I'm, I'm just in awe of. If I'm ever stuck, I call my kids and they make it happen, right? Um, the other thing is, is that they are the first generation of Americans that have grown up with CGI special effects. And, and some of their like, uh, you know, lowest budget movies have better special effects than some of the blockbusters of my childhood. In fact, I showed my kids the original Star Wars, and they thought it was boring. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? The spaceships were unbelievable, and it's just hard to impress them. It's like everything's meh, you know, eh. uh, It was kind of funny. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was at home working on this, and I was actually doing some of the research into uh, that whole meh attitude. And my son, Jack, came home from school, and as he walked in, I said, hey, buddy, how'd school go today? And I'm not joking. He literally went, meh. <laughs> and I just laughed. I really, really did. Now, we might laugh at the millennials. Sorry. That was my dad joke for the morning. Um, but the truth is that everyone in our community deals with indifference. And indifference can get us into trouble. Um, Nine years ago, I was the Young Life Area Director in Spokane Valley, Washington. And we had just moved to Spokane, and we had connected with a church, but we wanted to connect with people. And so my wife and I were actually talking, hey, you know, maybe we should get in a small group. We should, you know, we should try to meet some people. We need friends. We need friends. And, and she was right. And so we were at church one Sunday, and I saw an announcement for the women's retreat that was coming up. And I thought, this is a perfect opportunity for my wife to meet a lot of other ladies at the church and make some friends. And so kind of without consulting her, I just went ahead and signed her up. Um, now, um, I, you know, she was actually okay with that. She was like, great, yeah, it's a good idea. Um, but it just so happened that the date of the retreat fell on the last day of her sales quarter. And if those of you who are in sales, you know what the last day of the sales quarter is like. You're trying to close those deals. You're trying to get things done so that you can get that bonus, right? Well, Jennifer was no different. And literally, she calls me from her office in our home. And I go in, and <laughs> she's got our landline home phone on her ear. She's holding her personal cell phone and her work cell phone in each hand, and she's working it. You know what I'm saying? And she looks at me, and she has this look on her face like, I am so busy. And so I'm, I'm like, yeah. And she goes, listen, I don't have time to pack. You have to pack for me. Here's the list. And I'm like, okay. You know, there was a little bit of tone in that. 
And, uh, and, and so I knew she was stressed, so I took the list, and I went ahead and I packed for her. Now, when I looked at the list, it said to bring your favorite Bible verse, either written or printed on a piece of paper, and sealed in an envelope. And so I had no idea what Jennifer's favorite verse was. So I, I kind of tiptoed back into the office. I didn't want to serve her. Sure enough, she's got the phones going, and she kind of looks up at me from over her computer monitor, and she gives me like one of these, are you serious? Are you really going to interrupt me right now? Kind of looks, and I'm like, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? And she gives me this epic eye roll, you know? I mean, it is like, huh. she's like, I don't care. I really don't care. Pick one for me. So I did. She was indifferent, and I picked a verse for her. So after returning from the retreat, Jennifer shared with me what they did with those verses. She said when they got there, they took the envelopes that they had that were sealed with the, the verses, and they took them up from everybody. And then on the Sunday morning, the last morning of the retreat, they randomly passed the verses uh, in the envelopes out to people. So just, just to make this clear, no one had the verse that they had brought. Everybody had a different verse that somebody else had prepared and brought, okay? So the first, then this was what happened. In order, everybody was going to open their envelope one at a time and then read out loud the verse that it contained, okay? And this is what began to happen. Ladies would open their verse one at a time. They'd open it up and they would read this verse out loud. And then they would start crying. And they would go, I can't believe this. I've been struggling with this in my life. And, and this is the perfect verse. This is such a great promise. Who wrote this? Who, whose is this? And then, you know, the lady would raise her hand. She goes, it's mine. And then they would hug and cry. And Oprah would run around and say, you get a car. No, she didn't say that. But, <laughs> but it was just one of these really cool things. Well, after the first person went, Jennifer says to herself, crap, I don't know what verse he picked. How am I going to know when somebody reads it? Believe me, that was the least of her problems that day. <laughs> so anyway, after about three-fourths of the ladies in the room had gone and read their verses, the following occurred. A lady stood up. She took her envelope. And she goes, oh, this is so exciting. It's almost like Christmas. I can't wait to see what verse I have. She opens it up. Okay. Deuteronomy 25, 11, and 12. If two men are fighting and the wife of the one man rushes up and seizes the other man by his privates, you are to cut off her hand and show her no mercy? Whose is this? And it was at that point that my wife went, yeah, that'd be me. Indifference really can get you in trouble. Because <laughs> it got me in trouble the minute she got home. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. Spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference. Being flippant with our attitude towards God can actually torpedo our lives. 
And that's why Jesus wants to undo it. In fact, Jesus saved some of his most harsh language to warn us from being spiritually indifferent. Um, Through the Apostle John, Jesus wrote seven letters to seven different churches found in the book of Revelation. And one of the letters was written to the church in Laodicea. Um, Laodicea was a church that was spiritually indifferent. They were kind of spiritually meh. So Laodicea was a wealthy city. 35 years before the letter was written to them, it was destroyed by a massive earthquake. And they began to rebuild. And they went all out. The rebuild was spectacular. They had theaters. They had stadiums. They had lavish shopping markets. It was the, it was the, the Roman world's equivalent of our modern-day Dubai. But they had a problem. They didn't have a water source. So they had to build aqueducts that brought water in from two different cities. The first city was Heropolis in the north, and it was, its source was a hot water spring. The other city was Coloss in the south, and its source was cold water. And so they brought the water in to uh, Laodicea from these two cities over many, 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 many miles. And what happened is that the water started hot, the water started cold, but over the course of the journey, it became neither hot nor cold. It was just lukewarm. It was filled with contaminants, and it was nasty. So it's in that context that Jesus says this about being spiritually indifferent. This is Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. This is what Jesus says. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I wish you were either one of the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow. Jesus isn't pulling any punches when he says this. These are strong words. And I want you to understand something about Jesus. Usually, the severity of his words equals the importance of the warning that he's trying to warn you away from. He is basically saying, if you are spiritually indifferent towards your relationship with me, um, it makes me sick. So much so that it turns my stomach and it makes me want to vomit. And that's the actual literal translation of that passage. And we need to understand this warning for ourselves because Jesus says to us, I know your deeds. He does know our deeds. And let's be honest. Looking back at the way we've lived our lives over the past week, has our life been marked with passion for God or just an indifferent spiritual meh, attitude towards him? Now, here's the deal. He loves you so much. He's got plans for your life. He wants you to live an abundant life to the fullest. And the way to experience that is to live passionately in a relationship with him. But we settle for, meh. Why do we do that? Do you know that Jesus is not indifferent towards you? Think about this. 
He's passionate about you. Think about what he did for all of us. He left heaven to come here to earth. He sacrificed everything for us. He was abandoned by his closest friends. He was tortured, he bled, and he died on the cross to take away our sin. He spent three days in hell so that we wouldn't have to. He rose from the dead. He gives us his living word. He allows us to have access into the throne room of God through prayer. He's given us a mission to live for. And one day, he's going to come back to take us to heaven. He is not indifferent towards us. He is passionate about us. But oftentimes at best, we treat him like an afterthought. Or at worst, we don't even think about him at all. So, how did we get into our spiritual indifference? And what do we need to allow Jesus to do to undo it? There are three points that I want to talk about with you today that are going to help us undo spiritual indifference in our lives. And the first is, we need to understand the cause of spiritual indifference is self-sufficiency. The reason we're, we're spiritually indifferent is because we're self-sufficient. You see, Jesus continues in verse 17 by saying this, You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Again, this is some pretty strong in-your-face language, but it's true about us today. And Jesus is speaking this about us today. Now, you might not think that you're wealthy, okay? But if you easily prepared breakfast, put on some stylish clothes, got in your car and drove here this morning, you actually are one of the wealthiest people in the world, comparative to what other people have. So we are wealthy. Our culture also places an incredibly high value on self-sufficiency. We encourage it. We teach our kids. You got to pull yourself up by bootstraps. This is your responsibility. You got to get your homework done. You can do it. You can do it. Now, that's a good thing. We want our kids to be able to handle life. We want them to actually become adults that don't come back and come back and come back, right? We, we want them to become grown adults who can take care of themselves. But so often that self-sufficiency can get way out of balance. We try to control every little detail of our lives. And for the most part, we, we feel like we've got it all together and don't need anybody's help, including God's. But if you've ever experienced a tragedy, that self-sufficient mindset is quickly exposed. And that has certainly happened to me. Um, relatively speaking, my family is wealthy. It's very easy for us to begin to think that all of our problems can be solved by the money that we have. Several years ago, though, something happened to our family. Um, we had to walk through some unimaginable pain. And I quickly realized 
that I wasn't in control of anything. And, and honestly, there were times when Jennifer and I would lie on our bed and we would cling to each other and we would weep. And I was faced with the reality of my self-sufficient, I got this attitude. I didn't have it. And for months, there were times that the pain was so great, I didn't think God had it either. But little by little and over time, as I began to seek God above everything else in my life, even in the pain and in the heartbreak, over the last several years, he slowly brought healing and restoration to me and to my family. And even though I still have bad days, I know without any doubt that Jesus is with me and I can depend on him. I know some of you have been there also. You're self-sufficient when you thought everything was going great. You had it all under control and then oil prices plummeted and the stock market dropped and the nest egg broke and then Harvey flooded everything. And then the doctor brought that devastating news. And we turn to God and we cry out because we realize we really don't have it. See, we see our circumstances and that dictates the way we see God. But what we really need to do is see God and allow that to, to influence how we see our circumstances. So the second thing we need to do to undo spiritual indifference is recognize the lukewarm indifference in my life. And there are five different types of indifference that we deal with. The first is we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. I mean, this is a trap that we can easily fall into. We're more concerned with what everybody else thinks about us um, even though we're adults, we still kind of ask ourselves this question, am I cool? <laughs> do, what do people think about me? What do they think about my car? What do they think about the house that I live in? What do they think about what I do for a living or whether or not I stay home? What do people think about the way I dress my kids or do they like the music that I listen to? What do they think about the standards that I have? We can be so obsessed with what people think about us that we forget to ask, what does God think about me? What does God think about the music I listen to or the things that I do? The next one is we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. We spend so much time and energy on making everything as convenient as possible. There's an app for that right? There's an app for that. We also have this, this lady that lives in our house now. She's called Alexa. She can tell you what the weather's going to be like. She can remind you to do stuff. She can turn on your lights and she can even set your TV. It's almost like we're trying to make this life heaven. Now, don't get me wrong. I love some of the cool stuff that we can do. And, uh, and, and, when we focus too much on our ease and comfort as opposed to the work that God wants to do in us and through us, that's when it can get out of balance. 
That's when it can get out of whack and we can be indifferent towards God. Apostle Paul actually said this. He said that this life is a vapor. It's like a mist that, that appears and then instantly vanishes. This life is short. And this life is not the end. Eternity is the destination. And eternity is a long time. So ask yourself, what kind of decisions and investments can you make in this life that actually impact the next? The next type that we need to understand is we rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. We like to sugarcoat our sin. We live in a culture that likes to basically say, you can't judge. You can't judge me for doing this. And honestly, who wants to be that guy that's labeled a judge or a hate monger or, or a bigot? No one does. And as a result, we sugarcoat sin. We call things like adultery a fling. We, we call pornography adult entertainment. And we say to ourselves, well, I'm not as bad as they are. We compare ourselves to other people, but in reality, we need to be comparing ourselves to God and his holiness. And when we compare ourselves to him, we all fall way short, way short. See, God wants to set you free from the bondage of sin. He doesn't want you to be a slave to it. He wants to set you free, but if you remain self-sufficient, you're going to stay entrapped. The next one is we ask, where are you in bad times and forget to thank God in the good times? Our indifference causes us to view God differently through our circumstances. When life happens and we lose a child or a loved one, when we lose a job or total our car, we wonder where God is and why he let that happen to us. But when things are good, who gets the credit? We do, right? I'm so wise. I made a great choice. Yeah, I did the right thing there. <laughs> who are you more like in the story where Jesus healed 10 lepers? Are you like the one that came back to thank him? Or are you like the nine that just kind of walked away and didn't even give Jesus a second thought? The last one that we're going to look at is we're not much different from the world. What do we do? We watch the same movies. We laugh at the same jokes. We participate in the same kind of, of entertainment on our trip to Vegas. We make the same hand gestures and traffic. <laughs> we raise our kids the same way the world does. We invest our money in things the world says are important. We gossip about our boss, our coworkers, our friends, even our spouse. I have a hard question for us. When it comes down to it, would your coworkers know you're a churchgoer? Now, let me say this it may feel like I'm doing a lot of this. Okay, there's only one finger pointing at you, but there are three pointing right back at me. We are all in the same boat. We all struggle with the same things. We all 
we all deal with all of this. And one day we wake up and we're spiritually indifferent, we're lukewarm, we're just meh. So what do we do to snap out of it? Today I want you to walk away with one thing you can do that will help you break the stranglehold of spiritual indifference. And it's our third thing. Do something that requires faith. Every day, do something that requires faith. When we take a step of faith, it always moves us out of our comfort zone. Steps of faith cause us stress. When we take steps of faith, we have to turn to God for help. We have to depend on him. We have to allow him to give us the courage to act. And we have to trust him with the results, regardless of how it plays out. He loves us. He wants to take care of us. And we discover that when we take steps of faith. So what would it look like in your life if you began to take a step of faith every day? Maybe it's sharing your faith story with one of your coworkers. Maybe it's lunch with a client where you talk about how Jesus has transformed your life and your marriage. Maybe for you, it's apologizing to your spouse for that something that you said. Guess what? I did that yesterday. <laughs> um, maybe it's confessing that secret sin to someone you can trust. Maybe it's going to marriage counseling, even though you know it's going to get harder before it gets better. Maybe it's fasting and praying for a friend who asked you to pray for them as opposed to just giving a quick few-second prayer. Maybe it's volunteering to pray at the close of your small group even though it terrifies you to do that. Take a small step of faith every day. When you do, God will begin to melt away the spiritual indifference. But maybe for some of you, it's taking that very first step of faith. Jesus goes on in chapter 3 and verse 20 and says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Maybe right now for some of you, you realize that you've never taken a step of faith because you've never become a Christ follower. Well, I want you to know that Jesus is knocking on your door today. He wants you to trust him with your life. He wants you to give him control of your life. He wants you to allow him to bring you into a relationship with God. So, if you would like to do that this morning, on the back of your uh, message notes, there's a sample prayer that you can pray. I would love for you to pray that prayer right now. Don't worry about what I'm going to be saying after this, because honestly, if you know you need to become a Christ follower, you've already heard the most important thing I could say. Take some time right now and invite Jesus into your life. Now, this is true for all of us. When we take a step of faith, our dependence on God increases and spiritual indifference in our life begins to decrease. You stop being lukewarm 
when you start taking steps of faith. But let me give you a warning. The devil hates it when we get rid of spiritual indifference and begin living in faith. And so he's going to do everything he can to keep you to continue to believe that spiritual indifference is okay. But it's not. That's a lie. He wants you to be lukewarm, just like the water in Laodicea. As that water traveled, it lost its temperature, and it lost its usefulness. What is water useful for? Cool, refreshing drink. That water wasn't that. The devil wants to keep you useless. So break that by taking steps of faith. The truth is, you are a child of God. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus on the cross. God does not care about your past. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says you're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You are not full of meh. You are faithful. Your days are filled with God-given opportunity. You've been changed. You have godly passion. You have an opportunity to live taking steps of faith. And the world will be better because you do. Get rid of the meh and take those steps of faith. So, as I close today, go ahead and take out your connection card, flip it over. On the back, you'll see some commitments that you can make in response to today's message. I want you to take a moment, read through those, prayerfully consider what God might be asking you to do to allow him to undo spiritual indifference. As you're doing that, let me pray for us. Father, I, uh, I love you. And um, I'm just so thankful that um, you have made all the difference in my life. I know that my friends um, who are here this morning, um, I know that their desire is to love you and to, to follow you. And so if there's anybody here that um, is struggling with spiritual indifference, just kind of meh in their relationship with you. My prayer for them today is that first of all, you would meet them right now in this time and place. That you would remind them of what you've done for them, how much you love them, and you would remind them of, of all the potential and opportunity that you have waiting for them. Father, I also would just ask that you would Allow them to know what steps of faith they need to begin making to allow your indifference, uh, to allow their indifference to be broken and so that uh, faith could continue to grow strong. God, I, again, I'm so very thankful and love you so much and just ask that you would do great things in our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Thank you so much for joining our weekly podcast from our Sunday experience. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. Have a blessed week.